0: All right, grab your Bibles, if you would, this morning. If you're new with us today, I'd like to personally greet you. My name is Jay Duncan, and I have the great privilege of leading this house as the senior leader with my wife, and uh, woo, I heard one woo, thank you, thank you, Sarah, I like that. David, do you need your iPad? All right, grab your Bibles. We are in the middle of a series on the transformational and transforming Word of God, and it is indeed transforming my life in a very, very powerful way. You know, the big picture premise here that we're trying to communicate is that the word of God, the words of God, reflect the heart of God. And without the heart of God, we cannot experience the transformational power of God. So if we simply approach the word from an intellectual or a knowledge-based standpoint, if we approach the word from a duty or just a discipline standpoint, we're gonna miss the power, and the potential that God's word has for us. This is not your typical series on the Bible. This is a relational approach to connecting with God through his words so that the words of God actually lead us to God himself. They don't just lead us to ideas. They don't just lead us to doctrines. They don't just lead us to revelation. They don't just lead us to wisdom. They lead us to God. Because if they lead us to the heart of God, And they lead us to all of those other things. And so if you're joining us and you're jumping into this series late, you can uh, go back to Antioch.is and you can listen to some of the previous messages. For the sake of time, I'm just going to pick up where we are right now. But one thing you should know that David mentioned earlier, we're actually walking through a book, something that we've never done before. But I found this book called Life with God, Reading the Bible for Spiritual Transformation by Richard Foster. Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Disciplines. And when I picked up that book and read a chapter for this series, I found this book, Life with God. And I've decided, why reinvent the will? The material on that is so powerful and so strong. Now, we're not going to go through that book page by page. Uh, we're not going to try to cover everything that's in it. It's very, very dense. Uh, but we're going to hit some highlights. And so today, we're going to focus on chapter two. So if you've read chapter two, this is going to be a, a summary. And what I do is I just, I take that chapter, I read it multiple times. I go back, I outline it, I think through it. If there's a particular stream or a particular vein within that chapter, that really grabs me. I take that, I take, I take it in, and then I translate it. And then we just spit it back out and see what comes out. So that's the process. So uh, the introduction of chapter two The big picture idea here is very simply in order to grow in the love of God and to experience transformation, we must approach the Bible a certain way. Let me say that one more time. Previous messages, we talked about one of the primary measuring sticks or the measuring rod of whether or not we're assimilating the life of God, we're assimilating the truth of God, is whether or not we're growing in love, not just growing in knowledge not just growing in revelation. The measuring stick on whether or not we're being transformed by the words of God is how much we're growing in love. So then the premise here very simply is if we want to grow in love and experience transformation through his word, there's a certain posture of our heart that we must approach the word with. And Richard Foster lays out these three ideas. We must approach the word expectantly, Number two, we must approach the word attentively. And number three, we must approach the word humbly. He makes the statement, he says that there is essentially an inner attitude that we have when we approach the word of God. Honestly, there's an inner attitude that we have when we approach anything, when we approach people, situations, when we approach conflict, when we approach relationships, there is an attitude that we have. There's an attitude that we have when we approach the word and so the attitude that we must have that is most helpful when approaching the word is an attitude of expectancy. It's an attitude of attentiveness. It's an attitude of humility. The practice of reading the Bible for interior transformation is the approach that we must take to experience life-giving change from God's word. Let me say that one more time, the practice of interior transformation in reading the word. What does that mean? Well, the word practice there means that it's not something that just happens one time. I've met people, been in youth ministry many, many years. I've heard I've 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 been in pastoral ministry a number of years and you meet people who say, "Well, I've I've tried that. I've read that scripture, I've quoted that scripture, I've read that promise and nothing has changed." Well, it's because it's not just a one-time event. It's the practice of engaging God relationally through the vehicle and the venue of his word. The other thing that comes to my mind with practice for all of our sports fans is practice determines what your performance is when it matters. And so practice is very intentional. Practice is not haphazard, it's not random, it's not spontaneous, it's methodical, it's disciplined, it's diligent, and there is a practice of engaging the word from the posture and the attitude of interior transformation that is going to bring the life of God into our lives. Foster makes this statement, to allow the Bible to infiltrate us with the life of God, we must bring to it our whole selves, We must bring to the word our whole selves, and then he uses these three words again, expectantly, attentively, and humbly. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12. Very familiar passage of scripture to some of you. We're going to look at verse 1 and verse 2. But, I was struck by his statement when he says, in order for the scriptures to transform us, there is a way that we must approach the scriptures, and that is that we must present our whole selves to the scriptures. We must present our whole selves. I was reminded of Romans chapter 12 when I read that. Verse one says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice I got fixated on that word present. That word present's actually a compound word in the Greek, and it means to place yourself near something. So when you present yourself, when you present your life to the word of God, you're staking, you're establishing, you're standing near to the life of the word of God. There's a metaphor actually in the Greek, and it means this, to experience, fellowship, or intimacy. Now that changes everything. That changes everything because I've preached this scripture thousands of times. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'd preach youth camps, I'd preach college camps. You got to live a life of whole out abandoned to God. And if we're not careful, that can get a little works oriented. Here's what, here's the nuance here stake yourself to God, present yourself relationally to God. Present yourself in a posture of, I'm coming near because I want to experience and enjoy intimacy and fellowship. Do you know, you can experience intimacy with God through his words. And that's the idea here that Foster is presenting. In order for us to experience transformation, we have to present our whole selves, open, attentive, hungry, receptive, submitted, Those are the ways, those are the attitudes. That's the interior posture that we bring to God's word if we're to experience transformation. Let's talk here for a few minutes about what it looks like to enter God's word expectantly. How do we approach God's word expectantly? Psalm 119 verse 18, Psalm 119 verse 18 says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. That is a phenomenal scripture. In fact, if you did nothing more from this day forward than open up your scriptures and read that verse and pray that verse before you read anything else with a heart of expectancy, I'm here to tell you, the Lord will begin to unfold things in you. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law. You know, within that one verse alone, we see a posture of expectancy is that right? The implication in that verse is there are wonderful things in your law. We see attentiveness. He's saying, open my eyes so that I can focus, so that I can see, so that I can look. But, it, but there's also humility because the implication here if you're asking God to open your eyes is you're acknowledging that there are things that are in God's law, hidden mysteries, secrets, treasures within his word that you might not know are there without him. So in that one verse we see a posture of engaging God's word expectantly, attentively, humbly. Reading the Bible for spiritual transformation as a dialogue of human spirit with Holy Spirit. Now, this is very important. This goes along the entire theme that we've been preaching on for weeks here, that we are advocating a relational engagement with God through his word, not just a religious or didactic or intellectual engagement with God's word. We want a relational connection with God through his word. There is a living author that is waiting to meet with us. I like to look at it like this. I have a date with God when I come to his word. An appointment. In the same way that you and I make appointments with people that are important to us, and if we don't schedule certain people, they'll never get met. Some of you guys are dealing with that with me right now. Listen, if you want to meet with someone, you schedule that time. You mark it out. You make it happen. You set that time aside. You mark it as holy, and that's what's happening when we approach God's Word. There's a date. There's an appointment. There's an encounter. There's an engagement with God Himself. In order to Approach God's word with expectancy. Foster says we need to develop the discipline of being fully present. Now you guys are gonna get to know your pastor a little bit here. Because if there's any pet peeve of mine, it's being with people and them not being fully present. I wanna see your eyes. I I wanna see you shake your head. If we're sitting down and we're talking, man, I don't want you on your smartphone. I don't want you looking out the window. Now listen, that's not just me. That's all of us, isn't it? And that's all of us. Remember how you felt and remember how you feel when you're with someone and they're distracted or they're paying attention to someone else or you're in old Chicago or BJ's and you're watching the television. Man, that's a horrible place to meet. Don't meet at old Chicago. Don't meet at Buffalo Wild Wings. Don't, don't meet, don't take a guy to meet there. Guys, don't take a first date to Buffalo Wild Wings. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Don't do it, trust me. Thankfully, I'm not speaking from experience there. All right, what, is it, what does it mean to develop the discipline of being fully present? Uh, let's talk about external disciplines. External disciplines. Number one, stop. When you engage the word, stop. Stop. What do I mean by that? I mean slow down. Stop the busyness, stop the activities, stop the worry, stop the stress, stop the frustration, stop the anxiety, stop, sit, approach the word slowly. Eugene Peterson has written a book called Eating the Word and the entire concept of that book, it's a phenomenal book, Eating the Word. This whole premise is slow down and chew and chew and chew and chew and digest the Word of God. A few weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated our 14th anniversary, and our incredible staff, they blessed us, and they gave us a gift card to a great steak restaurant here in town. And so on a particular night, uh, they, got, they gave us a, a restaurant gift card and also a gift card to the movies. And so uh, we ended up going out, and watching a movie, and uh, by the time the movie got over, uh, it, was, it, was just, it was just too late. And we could have ran in there and we could, have, we could have ran in there and ate our meal 45 minutes and, and raced out and I said, listen, listen, listen. This isn't the kind of restaurant that you just race into 45 minutes, even an hour, and then zip out of. This is the kind of restaurant you wanna just sit down and you wanna experience, you wanna go through the evening slowly. Two hours, two and a half hours, you want to have great conversation. You want to, you want to just you want to take a bite, you want to put it down, you want to talk, you want to engage, you want to enjoy, you want to experience. And that's the whole concept of eating the word. Slow down and let that stuff assimilate and metabolize into your very being. Number two, how we discipline ourselves externally is we turn toward something. Now, I'm I'm walking through the metaphor of a conversation with someone. In fact, my son Kenya is here in the room, and the other day. I was, I was racing upstairs to go do something and he was downstairs and he was calling me. And uh, as he was calling me, I was, I was running up the room and I was, like, I was like, yes, and I'm listening. And he says, he says, don't worry, I'll just wait till you come back down here. <laughs> well, they get that from me because <laughs> like when I talk to them, I'm not, I'm not into this like shout down the, the, you know, when they're downstairs and I'm like, hey, kids. I mean, that's, no, that's not, how you, that's not how you instruct your children. I have them come up. I'm set I'm you know look me in the eye we have an, we have a connection it doesn't matter what it is and that's what God is saying that you can do with your word with with the word with him stop number 2 turn 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 towards the word turn your attitude turn your heart turn your expectation turn yourself towards the word number 3 give your attention give attention give attention to the words Think about this relationally. When you're sitting down with a person, man, t- turn your phone off or put it aside. You know what? I, I heard somebody say this one time. They said, uh, hey, listen, the next time somebody's texting you, let them know that you're actually sitting with somebody who feels like it's important enough to meet with you face to face. I mean, think about that. We-, we actually give more attention to the person who's texting us than the person who has chosen to take time out of their schedule to sit down in front of us face-to-face. Now, listen, I know that sometimes we're, we're, we're at work, we've got to just check it and make sure. But listen, if you're having a conversation with Facebook when you're with a group of friends, right? That's not relational connection. That's not turning towards. That's not stopping. That's not giving attention. And we do that with the word. Don't read the word with the TV on. Read the word in a, in a place, in an environment where you can give attention to what God is saying. This is the God of creation who wants to have a conversation with you. Number four, this is, this is kind of funny, just I'm thinking again relationally, eye contact and body posture, but you know we can give eye contact and body posture to the Lord. I've noticed that without fail when I read my scriptures in the bed, I don't end up reading the scriptures very long sit at a table sit up right you know get comfortable but also you know position yourself as a learner when you go to the scriptures awareness be aware you know, one of the great things, you know when someone is really making a connection with you relationally, when they pick up on things, they pick up on nuances, they pick up on whether you're sad, whether you're excited, they they, they pay attention to certain words that you say, why did you just say that you're doing good, not great, they, they pay attention to certain things, and listen, we can bring that same level of awareness to God in his word, this is where we get into hermeneutics, and we get into exegesis, and we get into actually studying and breaking the word down, what does that mean, it means we're aware of things that we're going on then it means we're aware of what God's trying to communicate we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come number six how we can respond externally the discipline of responding externally is respond respond there ain't nothing worse than when you're talking to somebody and they're just like this Dude, give me like some, give me some eyebrows, give me some head nods, give me some mmm. Give me some, that's good. Give me some wow, I mean I'm a, I'm a wow guy. Wow, 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 I mean just give me, give me something, give me, give, me, give me some response. That just lets me know you're there. Let's talk about internal disciplines. Very, very quickly, let me just run through this. Internal disciplines, listen. Do you know listening is an internal discipline? In order to really listen, you know, most people, particularly most Americans, particularly most Americans in this younger generation, we are not great listeners. And here's how you become a great listener. You pay more attention to what the other person is saying than what you want to say. You lay down your agenda for what you want to say in the conversation. You know, we bring this to the word, too, sometimes... Sometimes we get some crazy things out of the word because we're not listening to what God is saying in the word. We're actually making the word say what we want it to say. Listen, lay down your personal agenda. Focus more on what the person is saying than on what you want to say or on your rebuttal. You know, there's a lot of religious people. There's a lot of agnostics, a lot of atheists, a lot of world religions. They, they don't, they're not hearing anything because all they're thinking about is their rebuttal. And it's just, it's just mapped out. When they say this, I'm gonna respond this way. When they say this, I'm gonna respond this way. And you can't hear what God is saying when you come to the scriptures with a ton of rebuttals. Number two, how we discipline ourselves internally is, again, give attention. But this isn't just removing external distractions. There are internal distractions. Sometimes when you go to the word, you're just... I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll get into the place in the presence of the Lord and prayer and the word, and then all of a sudden I think of the thousands of things that I gotta do. My to-do list, the things that weren't done, things I hadn't thought about in weeks. So you may have to create systems. Sometimes what I do is I just have a little notepad and pen or take my smartphone or something out, and I'm just going to jot it down. I'm going to put it away. I'm not going to give more attention to it. I'm going to get it out of my mind so that I can remove that mental distraction. Sometimes your mental distraction is fear. Sometimes it's worry. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's anxiety. And so sometimes before you go to the word, you just have to say, God, right now, would you let peace enter into my soul? Would you attune my heart and my mind and my spirit to what it is that you're going to say? Because I want to listen, and I want to silence the internal semantic noise. Number three, empathize and identify. That is an internal discipline. Relational connection, some of you guys are wondering, well, why don't have any friends because I'm gonna teach you right now, you have to learn how to connect relationally. You have to learn how to empathize. The scripture says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't go, oh, I wish I could have had that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not empathizing. That's not identifying. That's not rejoicing with those who rejoice. You want friends? Rejoice. Be, be, be excited about those who have great things happen to them. Also, weep with those who weep. It's not about you. In a friendship, it's not about you. In a relationship with God, it's not just all about you. Weep with those who weep, those who are suffering, those who are walking through pain, those who are struggling, those who are going through a difficult time. Empathize. Now listen, we can empathize with the word. We can identify. Identify. When you're reading through blind Bartimaeus, identify with him. When you're reading about that woman with the issue of blood, identify. Identify with the loneliness. Identify with the rejection. Put yourself in the shoes of the person that Jesus touched. Identify. Identify with the disciples. Identify with the struggles of Paul. Identify with the fear of David when he was facing Goliath. Identify with these people and empathize with them and all of a sudden you'll find you're engaging with the word in a different way. Number four. Seek to understand. Truly seek to understand. Not the uh huh uh huh uh huh uh huh uh huh uh <laughs> huh. Can you remember this? A couple weeks ago, I had to talk with Kenya. and Milan. I said, "Listen, when I'm talking, because you know I'm constantly. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's not a moment they don't they. I don't miss a thing, man. It's every moment of every day. I'm like, hey, let's talk about this. Let me train you. Let's. And they're like, this, so they've, they've adopted this response. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm like. And I know when they're just doing the automatic response when I haven't even finished the sentence, right? Hey, Kenya, Milan, I want you to, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. huh, yes, sir. I'm like, okay, now listen, listen. I appreciate you saying yes, sir. I want you to stop, and I want you to listen. I want you to look me in the eyes. I do not want you to respond until you hear, and now now I'm doing this thing. What did I just say? (laughs) Okay, now why is that? Because we need to learn how to seek to understand relationally, conversationally, in the word, we need to learn how to seek to understand. What is it that you're communicating? What is it that you're really trying to get across? What is your heart behind this? What is the wisdom point behind this? I want to understand. Number five, respond internally. Not just, mm, that's good, but an internal response is, God, what do I need to change? Where do I need to repent? What needs to be different in my life? Respond internally. Give me five minutes. I'm gonna blaze through this. Ways that we can bring heart, mind, and soul to the Bible by expecting God to meet with us. Number one, have an opportunity mindset. What does that mean? It means that every time that we approach the scriptures, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And so I wrote this down in my notes a couple of days ago, and then I was trying to blaze by it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit checked me, and he said, well, what kind of opportunity is it? It's not just a good point. Man, the Lord rebuked me a couple weeks ago. He said, stop coming to my word just for good revelation so you can preach better. Come to my word so that you can meet me and I can change you so you can be better. Dang. God. Here's our opportunity. Here's, a, yeah, exactly. Yes, sir. Oh, uh-huh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, some of our right, let's identify our expectations. This is a great exercise for you to do. Here's a couple of mine. You have your own. Don't cheat, all right? Number 1, I expect to meet with God. When I come to the word, I set my expectation. You know it'll be powerful. Write these things down. Put them in a bookmark. Every time you come to the word, just man, recalibrate every time. It's like your drills, your disciplines, your fundamentals. Recalibrate. Number 1, God today when I come to your word, I'm expecting to meet with you. I'm expecting to be with you, in your face, in your life. Number two, I'm expecting to hear your voice. There are things that you have to say. Number three, I'm expecting to learn your ways. There are ways that God does things. Scripture says in Psalm 103 that his deeds he taught to Israel, but his ways... He showed Moses, this is the way that I do things. This is the way that I confront, the way that I correct. This is the way that I build. This is the way, this is the way. I want to know your ways. I don't want to just know the mechanics and the forms so that I can get good answers and results. I want to know the way. Number four, I expect to receive his life. Life. Vitality, vibrance, joy, strength, hope, victory. I, I, I expect a transaction from God when I come to his word. Number five, I expect growth. There's an opportunity every time, every single time. One verse, one word in one verse holds potential for growth. Are we together on this? Every word, every verse the spirit of God is, is just screaming out, I can grow if I approach God's word with that expectation. Number six, I expect to discover his will. There are things that are near to the heart of God and there are things that he expects and desires and I can discover those and I expect to discover those. There's an opportunity to discover those every time I come to the word. In closing, we can bring our heart, mind, and soul to the Bible expectantly by learning how to interact relationally. Very, very simple. How do we do this? Enter into conversation when you're engaging with the Word. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll be like, "Dang, Jesus!" I'll just be like, "That's crazy." Or sometimes I find myself doing this a lot. I go, "Holy Spirit, why did you do that?" And then, and then Chris would be like, "Who are you talking to?" What are you talking about? I'm like, I don't understand why he did this. Why was there a paralyzed man for 38 years in John 5? He's laying at the pool, and the first thing Jesus says is, do you want to get well? Like, I was like, why did you do that? That don't make no sense to me. I don't understand. So I have a conversation with Jesus, and I ask him questions all the time. Number three, formulate prayers from the word. Use the word as a launching prayer to develop your language in prayer. The Word of God is the best language, linguistics instructor to teach you the language of prayer. Take them and just, man, some of my richest times in the Word is when I just take whatever I'm reading and I just verse by verse, I just pray it out. I just pray it out. You, you, you want some things to just begin to unfold in you? Pray the Scriptures. Because you can't speed pray the Scriptures. You can't. You can't. Number four, express adoration. This is my Wow. Sometimes you just i read the scriptures and go, wow, wow. I'll read certain things in the Psalms. I'll read certain ways that Jesus respond. I'll just go, you're awesome. And just let that come out of you and express that. And now all of a sudden, you're not just reading the Bible mechanically to check something off. You're not just reading it didactically. You're not just reading it religiously. You're reading it relationally because you're saying, God, that's amazing. I want to know more of who you are. Next point. Confess your sin. Listen, if you read something and it pricks you, don't just gloss over that. Don't ignore it, don't evade it. Stop. As soon as you read something, Matthew chapter 7. Why do you call out the plank in someone else's, the you know, the speck in someone else's eye? If that, if you, if, if you find yourself going, stop right there. That right there, stop right there. That is your cue that you're supposed to stop. And you're supposed to go, Holy Spirit, is there anything? Is... I'm a good spec detector. And let them call you out. Because listen, God calls you out in a way that you never feel condemned. You never feel humiliated, embarrassed. You never felt like you're not good enough. He always addresses something in a perfect way that actually becomes a catalyst for transformation. Stop and go, God, I'm so sorry. That's me. That's me. I'm the Pharisee. You don't know how many times in my life I go, I'm the Pharisee. This mean I'm the Pharisee. I'm the Pharisee. I'm the Pharisee. God, I'm so sorry. I'm the Pharisee. I don't want to be the Pharisee, but I'm the Pharisee. Just confess that and let the Lord begin to work something inside of you. Next point, express thanksgiving. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who daily loads us with benefits. Let I me mean, think, let's listen to that. Who daily loads you down with benefits. Sometimes I'll read those things, I'll just go, God, thank you. Thank you. Listen, if you have nothing else to say to God, you can say thank you. You read through the scriptures on the, pa- the, the passion of Christ, God, thank you. Read scriptures on the Holy Spirit, and I just go, God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, Thank you for the presence and the ministry and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Let that come out of you. And you know what's going to happen? You're learning how to engage with God's word relationally and transformationally. Final point. Share what's on your heart. You read something and it sparks something. You're like, that's me. That's me. Share that. Say, God, I really feel like that paralyzed man right now. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm in a rut. That's me whatever you feel like your greatest need is. A couple weeks ago, we talked about deepest need versus greatest need. That doesn't mean we can't share our greatest need. Sometimes as you approach the scriptures, you'll say, God, I'm, I am really, I'm confused. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm stressed out. I'm afraid. You can bring that to the Father. Now, all of a sudden, we're interacting with his word. We're not just glossing over his word. Why don't you guys stand to your feet this morning? Listen, that's just One point. Engaging God's word expectantly. In my wonderful Word of Faith background, I've... Used Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, so many times. It says, Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door shall be open to you. Anybody else in this room ever quoted, confessed, prophesied, and prayed in Matthew 7? Lord, you said ask and I'll receive, I'm asking. You said, I'm going to receive it. You said seek, I'm going to find. You said knock and the door is going to be open. And you use that for some kind of opportunity or some financial blessing or come on. Anybody else in here? All right. You know, I was just chewing on that scripture a couple of days ago, and I felt like the Lord said, you've, you've missed the heart behind that scripture. The heart behind that is, I'm inviting you to ask of me for me. Ask, and you will receive. And seek, and you'll find me in my words. And knock, and the door to my heart will be opened through my words. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that The word of God is not some archaic, mechanical, religious, dogmatic, moralist group of good wisdom. It's the very heart of who you are. Father, I thank you that you've not left us to ourselves, that you've given us your Holy Spirit. Your word says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he has given the right to become sons and daughters of God. And as sons and daughters, you wanna share your heart and you wanna share your thoughts and you wanna share your desires and your dreams and you wanna share who you are with us and you've chosen the vehicle of your word to make that possible. Father, I pray for a revolution, not just of Bible reading and scripture memory. God, I pray for a revolution of connecting with the heart in the mind of our God through your words. Father, I pray that we would begin learning to approach your word with expectancy and learning how to approach it attentively and humbly. And Father, we would would find you in it. We would find the mysteries, the secrets, the treasures of who you are. We would find immaculate wisdom because you are immaculate wisdom. We would find that. We would find you. And so I pray a grace upon Antioch Church. I pray a grace that if it's one verse or one chapter or one book I pray father that as we come and we begin to participate and partner with the holy spirit of god your word you would just you would just breathe life upon us you would ruah life upon us through the words of god and lord like the prophets and the apostles said when they took that word, it was like honey on their lips, but bitter in their stomach. God, we wouldn't just reject the bitter parts for the sweet parts. Father, we wouldn't just keep the bitter parts and reject the, the sweet parts. Father, we would just, we would take all of your word into us and you would teach us how to eat the word and you would teach us how to become more like Jesus. So Father, I pray the grace of sonship and the spirit of sonship upon every person in this house today. Father, that I pray for a revelation of the deep love of God for every single person. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer an orphan. You are no longer a servant. You are a friend and a child of God. No matter what, because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, because of his resurrection, because of his sinless life, because of the pursuit of the Father after your life, he will always pursue you. So, Father, I pray that that go deep into our very being and you change our core identity. And that we walk out of this room stronger, sons and daughters, more confident, more bold, more secure. And that we we invite the world into this life that is in Christ Jesus. Antioch, I bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.